noon report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good Friday afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. No burr in November this weekend. Meteorologist Kevin Williams says the first weekend of the month will feature a break from the cold. We're going to lose our cool heading into the weekend. No big warm-up is coming, but we're going to rid ourselves of the chilly air mass that has sent temperatures tumbling, in some cases, to record levels. Kevin's got that weekend forecast for you coming up. Secretary of State Blinken is in Israel for the third time since the war with Hamas started nearly a month ago. How Israel does this matters, and it is very important that when it comes to the protection of civilians who are caught in a crossfire of Hamas is making, that everything be done to uh, protect them and to bring to those who so desperately need it. He's trying to convince the Israelis to hit the pause button on the fighting in order to minimize civilian casualties. White House spokesman John Kirby. Do we advocate pauses by both sides here? Temporary, localized, to be able to get Americans out, to be able to get aid in? You betcha we do. That doesn't mean that we're calling for a general ceasefire. There's a difference. Two dozen Israeli soldiers have died in combat since the ground war started a week ago. The Palestinians death count is unknown. People are dying. Everybody's dying. Nobody's safe. We don't have bomb shelters. Reporter Trey Yank says Israeli troops have surrounded Gaza City in their ultimate quest to destroy Hamas. Thousands of soldiers are on the ground in Gaza, continuing to push through the Strip, trying to destroy as many Hamas strongholds and tunnels as possible. Correspondent Charlie Daggett. Face-to-face fighting is underway between Israeli soldiers and Hamas militants as troops push deeper into densely populated Gaza City, while further south there's a desperate rush for those trying to escape the war zone. Richard Engel with NBC News. In Gaza, Hamas seems happy to pull Israel into a long-term guerrilla war, no matter what the consequences for the people of Gaza. Anger, rage, and hopelessness help Hamas recruit in Gaza. There's rage across Israel, too, after Hamas butchered 1,400 Israelis and took more than 240 hostages including the disabled and children. Congress has passed a $14 billion Israel-only aid package, but because it does not also include aid for Ukraine, it is dead on arrival in the U.S. Senate. The October jobs report went public today. It was not good. Just 150,000 jobs added to payrolls last month. Unemployment in America remaining unchanged at 3.9%. It's one of the largest cases of financial fraud in U.S. history. The self-proclaimed kick of crypto, now a criminal. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried facing the rest of his life in prison after being convicted last night of stealing billions of dollars. The cryptocurrency industry might be new, but this kind of fraud, this kind of corruption is as old as time. A federal jury in Manhattan took just four hours to convict Bankman-Fried. He's now guilty of the biggest fraud case since Bernie Madoff. It's a warning, this case to every single fraudster out there who thinks that they're untouchable. Many people who invested in FTX have lost their life savings. Sam Bankman-Fried will be sentenced in March. President Biden visits Maine today, a state rocked by gun violence. Last Wednesday, a gunman killed 18 and wounded 13 others at two locations, a bar and a bowling alley. The president and the first lady are going to Lewiston to be with Americans who are in mourning. This type of trip by the president has become too, too familiar. White House
House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says this scenario has played out too many times. This is not normal. And Jean-Pierre says while he's in Lewiston, the president will demand that Congress act. They must pass an assault weapons ban. They must enact universal background checks. They must help states across the country adopt and strengthen red flag laws. Linda Kenyon, Washington. When you turn your clocks back an hour this weekend, make sure you also check the batteries in your smoke alarms. Daylight saving time comes to an end Sunday morning, 2 a.m. Fire officials say three out of every five deaths that happen from house fires happen in homes with no smoke detectors or smoke detectors that are not working. This Sunday is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. One out of every seven members of the Christian family are persecuted. The Open Doors Ministry Organization says 5,621 Christians have been murdered in the past year because of their faith. There have also been more than 4,500 Christians who have been incarcerated or detained by authorities, and 2,000 church buildings have been burned. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. The recently concluded World Series was the least watched in television history. Less than 10 million of us, U.S., tuned in to the fall classic between the Rangers and Diamondbacks. That breaks the previous record low, sat in 2020, when the Dodgers beat the Rays. Still to come on the Noon Report, killer nurse, absent students, and crooked clerk. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. The weekend is ahead, and it's shipping up to be decent weather-wise. I'll have that and the complete forecast coming up in just a few moments. See you in about 10. All right, see you then. Thank you, Kevin. Checking news where you live next. A former nurse in Pennsylvania accused of killing 17 nursing home patients from across the Commonwealth. The Attorney General's office announcing the charges Thursday against 41-year-old Heather Presdy of Western PA. Her attorney is Phil D. Lucenti. It's a substantial number of people, and it's a very serious case, probably one of the most serious cases. I've experienced in my career. Attorney Rob Pierce is representing some of the victims' families. He cannot believe that Presdy got away with this for so long. The family believes that someone would have paid attention early on to some of the staff concerns. Multiple people would still be alive today. In addition to the 17 deaths linked to Presdy, the defendant also admits she tried to kill 19 other patients with insulin at five different rehab centers in Pennsylvania the past three years. A local high school football team is now the focus of a police investigation. Matt Malloy with Wham News in Rochester. This involves several members of the varsity team at Clyde Savannah in Wayne County. The Golden Eagles were undefeated going into tonight's semifinal matchup against Marcus Whitman Bloomfield. Now they've been forced to forfeit. The team, the coaches, they've all worked so hard to be undefeated. And in a matter of minutes, the choices of a few guys just threw that right down the drain. That parent telling Wham News that she's angry but understands why the disciplinary action needed to be taken. Bullying is real. Bullying occurs everywhere. And we as parents have to really teach our children that bullying is unacceptable. It will not be tolerated. Clyde Savannah Superintendent Michael Hayden says the district is cooperating with police as the investigation into the football team continues. High school students 
students are vaping less, but it's still a problem in middle school. Tobacco cessation expert Jen Coffer. Flavors are what's drawing them in, but it's the nicotine that keeps them coming back, and they're becoming an addicted generation. She says a quarter of students who vape, 25%, do it on a daily basis. The FDA and CDC say overall tobacco use, however, is down, down to historic lows among teenagers. Many school districts across the listening area reporting a sharp rise in chronic absenteeism. That's when a student misses at least 18 days of school a year. Unfortunately, more than 30% of students are in that boat. Uh, it's like missing uh, basketball practice. The, the more you miss, you're always perpetually catching up, and sometimes that becomes one of the hurdles uh, in itself. That is Joseph Hockrider, superintendent of the Albany School District. 70% of the city of Buffalo's elementary school students were chronically absent last year. 90% of the high schoolers were. New York Assembly Republicans have announced new legislation that would require all colleges in the state implement anti-Semitic training courses. It's in the wake of a slew of hate crimes directed at Jewish students at Cornell and other institutions of higher learning. The Dismantling Students' Anti-Semitism Act withholds state aid to schools that do not implement the mandatory training. Three new bills that target hate crimes have been approved in the Pennsylvania House. Democrat Dan Franco. What we've seen is hate-motivated violence against targeted groups, and it's an epidemic. Franco says the hate crimes legislation requires colleges have an online and anonymous reporting tip line. Critics call it a snitch line and fear could infringe on religious freedom. We're talking about that a little later in the broadcast on Capital Connection. Her name is Ursula Stone. She is the former clerk for the village of Addison in New York's Southern Tier, and she is accused of stealing over a million dollars from the village of Addison the past 19 years. She managed to find ways to steal. It was very complicated and involved scheme and then cover that for a very long time. That is Stubend County District Attorney Brooks Baker. He says the stolen funds were discovered by the New York State Comptroller's Office. Spokesman Nelson Scheingold. What could a residents of the village of Addison done with an extra million dollars over the last couple of decades? There are lots and lots of rules that public officials need to know. There's one easy one. The public monies is the public's. It's not yours. Ursula Stones pled not guilty to 192 felony counts, including grand larceny in the first degree. She's currently being held in the Steven County lockup. Inflation is taking a big bite out of your collective Christmas budget. Correspondent Rory O'Neill takes a closer look at holiday spending. The ho, 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 maybe so-so. Gallup's preliminary report on holiday spending shows gift budgets are down slightly this year. The survey says Americans expect to spend an average $923 on holiday gifts. That's down nine bucks from a year ago. One third of Americans will spend more than $1,000 on holiday gifts this year, according to Gallup. I'm Rory O'Neill. Amherst, New York High School alum and Texas Rangers starting catcher Jonah Heim is a World Series champion. His high school baseball coach is Brian Davis, who spoke to Spectrum News earlier today. It was a lot of emotions, obviously. Um, I've never been to a World Series game, but to go into a World Series game and then, you know, see him come to the plate, you know, a kid that I watched come to the plate from my dugout at Amherst High School, but then to see his, you know, giant picture and name across the Jumbotron, even walking into the gift shop and see 
seeing his jersey for sale on the rack. Um, it just it didn't seem real. Um, it was an incredible experience. Heim was drafted right out of high school in 2013 and spent several years in the minors before getting his break to play in the bigs. He was an all-star this past season and is now a World Series champion. What a year for him. The Buffalo Bills are getting ready for another primetime matchup. They're in Cincinnati Sunday night facing the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. You can bet your bottom dollar they'll remember that. Here's Family Life's D. Haley. The Buffalo Bills are on the road this weekend to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. In preparation for Sunday's game in Ohio, the Bengals announced on social media the team will be hosting a Stripe the Jungle theme. Bengals fans attending the game are being asked to dress according to section-assigned colors of orange or black. A Bills Mafia contingency will also be present, mixing blue and red into the jungle. The Bills and Bengals kick off at 8.20 p.m. D. Haley, Family Life News. All right, should be a rumble in the jungle. Thank you very much, D. We've got more football action next in sports. It's our Friday edition of the Two Minute Drill, right here on the Family Life Noon Report. <laughs> Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, both offenses are not that good and their defenses are, so last night's matchup figured to be a low-scoring affair. But both Tennessee and Pittsburgh surprised us in the first half with a combined 23 points. Second half turned out more like I expected with only 13 points scored. Kenny Pickett tossed a three-yard touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson with four minutes to play, and that won it for the Steelers 20-16. Pitt Pittsburgh's D then intercepted a Will Lewis pass to secure the victory. On to the NBA, the reigning MVP Joel Embiid looked every bit the part as he scored 28 points, grabbed 13 boards, and dished out seven assists to lead Philly over Toronto 114-99. On the ice, Will Cooley scored the game winner midway through the third period and the Rangers edged the Hurricanes 2-1. Chris Kreider also scored for the Blue Shirts. Rangers off to an 8-2 start after 10 games this season. That's their second best start ever. Semyon Varlamov was stellar in goal for the New York Islanders as he stopped all 32 shots he faced. New York ended the Capitals winning streak at 3 with a 3-0 shutout. The Isles scored 22 seconds into the contest and never looked back. In fact, they scored on three of their first five shots. Vancouver scored 10 goals, and their route of the San Jose Sharks 10-1 was the final. That is a look at sports. All right, thank you, Randy. Men, have yourself a wonderful weekend still to come on this Friday edition of the Noon Report. What's going on in Albany and Harrisburg these days? We're going to find out on Capital Connection. Jason McGuire, Michael Gear, they're ready to go. Also ahead, celebrating the sandwich. It's big day is today, and Kev says a warmer weekend is on the way. His forecast is yours right after this. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. This is Breakpoint. One of the most beloved and quotable scenes in all of the Chronicles of Narnia comes from the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. When the children learn that Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, says Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. 
He's the king, I tell you, catechized as we are by maybe bad theology or our culture's enabling of our self-centeredness or being weary of our angry and fractious age. Many Christians simply cannot conceive that God's will for our lives could possibly involve anything unpleasant or uncomfortable. But when it does and our expectations collapse, we wonder if God even cares. It's difficult to accept that the presence of pain, rather than being a sign of God's absence, is actually a sign of his sovereign care. Throughout another book in the Narnia series, The Horse and His Boy, Aslan continually inflicts fear, hardship, even physical pain on the main characters. When Shasta, one of the two main humans in the story, is fleeing from his abusive adoptive father on the Narnian horse Bree, a lion chases them through the darkness. Fleeing from the danger, he encounters another rider, also fleeing, it seems, another lion. Erebus is also escaping her home on another talking Narnian horse. Later in the story, they're riding as fast as they can to head off a threat to Narnia, and just as Bree claims he can go no faster, a new lion closes in on them. Lewis writes this, quote, his eyes gleamed red and his ears lay back on his skull. The lion then badly wounds Erebus before retreating unexpectedly. And later, Shasta learns the full story. All of those times, there had only been one lion, not many of them. Aslan was, as he put it, swift of foot. Without the fears and the pain, Shasta and Erebus, Bree and Wynne would have never met. Their quest would have failed. The enemy would have been victorious. Shasta would have never learned who he truly was. See, the pain wasn't just an after afterthought on Aslan's part. It was a key element in the context of the entire plan. Now, none of this implies at all that pain should be sought out. Pain's never the point of God's plans any more than it is the purpose of something like physical exercise. Never pushing ourselves to the point that it hurts means never improving our health. On the other hand, seeking pain is more likely to do harm than to aid our well-being. Pain is not in and of itself a good thing, but it is meaningful. Pain indicates that something is wrong and needs to be addressed. Without pain, we'd never know this. In the same way, breaking bad habits of the past requires pushing beyond comfort levels through the pain onward on this path to full restoration. Pain is sometimes required to reorient us. What else can turn one away from a debilitating addiction or an insatiable sexual impulse? Whether through sickness or sacrifice, an ending a dream or an enduring hostility, we have to remember that God's faithfulness is not determined by how comfortable our lives are. To deny that God could or would use our discomfort for our good is to deny that he's present in our pain. But he is. Just as in his quest to restore the glory of his creation, he did not shrink back from inflicting pain on his own dear son. In the end, it's all part of his work and his plan to restore his image bearers to their intended dignity. As Lewis wrote elsewhere, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. So many great quotes from C.S. Lewis. Thank you very much, John, for that. Hey, it's the weekend, folks, and weather's next with Kevin Williams. Here is your family life forecast. Well, the weekend is ahead, and it ships up okay. For this afternoon, we'll have some sunshine and some clouds. It'll be milder than recent days with a gusty breeze and a high in the 50s. Clouds will gather tonight with a shower for some late the low temps, anywhere from the mid-30s to the mid-40s. Tomorrow and Sunday, a good deal of cloudiness with a shower or two, but rain pretty much at the time. The exception in central and eastern Pennsylvania 
where we'll be dry throughout the weekend with partly sunny skies. Weekend high temperatures ranging generally in the upper 40s to the upper 50s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much for that. It is Friday, as we mentioned, the 3rd of November, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you the listener direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are, as always, Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. And Michael, I'll begin with you. One of the sad sidebars to this Mideast war that is raging in the Holy Land has been the rise of anti-Semitism right here at home. It's gone up by almost 400% since the Hamas attack on October 7th. What is happening here? Yeah, it's really sad to see, and I fear for Jewish friends and others around the country and around the world. And a lot of it is the fruit of what's being taught in our schools, and especially in higher education, which not only creates a situation of anti-Semitism, but also then I think can create fear of terrorism here in our own country related to the notion that we are illegitimate occupiers of land that was owned by someone else in the past. That is uh, in our education system, and it is bearing the fruit that we're seeing now with the hatred all across the country and around the world. Yeah, it brings up images of World War II and the Star of David. Couldn't believe it, Jason. You actually had an ambassador at the UN wearing a Star of David because the United Nations still will not condemn what Hamas did. Uh, We're seeing it on our universities. Of course, Cornell University in Ithaca has become the epicenter of much of this vitriol. What do you think is fueling this hate? Well, at its core, it's sin. You know, I think oftentimes we're taught in the culture today that the uh, default position of man is to love, but it's not. Uh, The default position is that of hate. Uh, That's what sin does. That's what sin does to people. It it Mm. separates. uh, There's disunity. There's division. And that's why the gospel is so needed. It is that which brings love back into the equation. And I think at its core, we're seeing that sin that is being lived out with a spiritual adversary who's driving these conversations. And again, it's been going on for millennia, and it will until the return of Christ. All right. Well, moving on in Harrisburg, lots going on. Michael, you're keeping a close eye on several pieces of legislation that passed the House, House Bill 1024, 25, and 27. You argue in a press release that this is state-sanctioned discrimination. How come? Well, basically what this hate crime legislation does, and I understand the motivation behind it, but unfortunately it's very troubling legislation. It adds all sorts of different additional penalties for people who are targeted because of their race, color, religion, national origin, ethnicity, ancestry, sex, gender, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, age and disability. I mean, the the list goes on and on, and basically it creates a situation where if someone says or does things and they can trace it back and say, well, that's because of some motive that you have, it creates real problems, especially for those who believe that marriage is between a man and a woman or may have concerns about the issue of pronouns and transgender surgeries and all of those sorts of things can be called to account on that. But one of the things that really is concerning to me is one of the bills allows for anonymous hate crime reporting 
options. So you can sort of rat people out if you don't like them, uh, somebody at work you uh, want to go after, or somebody at school or whatever. You can make these anonymous reports. It also, these bills allow for lawsuits, which even though you may not be criminally charged, you have to then defend yourself in court because somebody thinks you misgendered them or something along those lines. Wow, unbelievable that that's happening. Jason, let's talk about gambling. There was another push in New York this week to expand internet gambling. Of course, you've already got the sports betting, which was, I think, a couple years ago legalized. This is called iGaming, so-called mobile casinos. Aren't there enough forms of gambling in New York already? Well, Senator Adabo, who chairs the uh, gaming committee in the Senate, is indicating this would be a tax uh, winner, a revenue for the state, but he's failing to acknowledge that how many lives are lost that are damaged by gambling addiction. We've already seen an increase under mobile sports betting, and if we have casino gambling that goes to the same anonymity of a mobile cell phone, that's going to be an increasing problem for people across the state. I believe that mobile gambling, when sports betting was instituted here, was unconstitutional, and I believe this will be as well. Casino gambling is allowed, sadly enough, in our state constitution at a casino, but not through a cell phone. All right, turning our attention to the marijuana issue, Michael, uh, the state house is continuing to try to beat this drum, expanding it to include recreational marijuana. How close are they to getting recreational marijuana over the finish line? Well, there are a lot of uh, forces within the House of Representatives that want to see it happen. This is a troubling issue. That's why there was a press conference held this week, as well as a legislative forum to talk about the addiction, the crime, the uh, DUIs, and all of the things that come with the uh, expansion of legalization of marijuana. Yeah, and recreational marijuana in New York's been legal for two and a half years, Jason, but the rollout has been, even those for this will say, this has been an unmitigated disaster. There was a hearing in Albany this week to talk about why so many of these illegal pot shops. What has been responsible for this disastrous rollout of the marijuana marketplace? Well, state policy has led to the abysmal position we have with recreational marijuana here in New York. This was passed before there was a framework in place that was ready to regulate it and move it forward. Now, we oppose the recreational marijuana. We'll continue to do so. But the policies that have been implemented, the slow rollout of these things, has only grown the illicit market here in New York and has made things more problematic that now even the pot that is available is tainted and is causing damage to folks that are choosing to participate. Uh, Hey, Election Day is fast approaching, Michael, and more than $17 million has been spent on this race, the race to fill that open seat on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. That's not going to change the balance of power on the court, but it is a very important race. How come? Well, one of the reasons is the perversion of our system. Three branches of government are supposed to have distinct roles, but increasingly an activist judiciary is acting as legislators. And so people with money are wanting to see judges with their ideology put into place to do legislative action. Those of us who believe in judicial restraint believe it's very important because we've seen the activities of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court on issuing rulings that impact our elections, so many different other issues that of life, and that's why the money is being spent on this race. Yeah, uh, and early voting and Sunday in New York, Jason. What are you seeing so far as far as the turnout? Very curious to get your thoughts on this about uh, this actually being the new norm for how elections are done in New York. 
Yeah, I think turnout is still low and it's light, and I think that is typical of even the type of election year we're experiencing, low voter turnout. But there is more um, of an uptick we're beginning to see. I'm one that prefers Election Day, but I recognize that this is the law now, and it is important that uh, people of all parties understand that when they vote early, it helps the funnel system to where those parties can then drill down and essentially try to drag out the remaining voters to the polls. If you don't vote until uh, Election Day, well, you're going to keep getting those calls, messages, and and emails and such. Uh, Voting early takes you out of that system. That's another uh, good reason to do that. Thank you, uh, Jason. And finally, guys, about a minute left. Uh, Mike, I know you're excited. Riley Gaines is coming to Hershey on Monday. Also, Seth Dillon with the Babylon Bee. Uh, What is the gist of what they'll be sharing on Monday in Hershey? It's our Friends of the Family Banquet, and uh, I'm grateful for uh, Family Life uh, Radio having the opportunity to have both uh, Riley and Seth uh, speak to your audience this week. They're going to be talking about the issues that are important to Pennsylvania and specifically their experiences, Seth, with the cancel culture going after Babylon B and how they've addressed that. And Riley Gaines, certainly the issue of girls sports and her experience having raced against the male identifying as a female, Leah Thomas, in a championship race. Yeah, I know a lot of folks are going to want to hear both of them on Monday. And then, Jason, you're writing about this online, and we'll give that website at the end. Governor Hochul's Pregnancy Center report law. It's been around for a little while. Basically, it keeps tabs on pro-life centers in New York. What are these centers mandated to report, and why aren't abortion clinics subject to the same scrutiny? Yeah, the Department of Health has sent out surveys looking to see a source of funding, uh, donors, uh, various types of information coming from these pregnancy resource centers. I think the state's trying to get a handle on what these pro-life centers are, and I can only assume that's for targeting down the road. Uh, And yet, we don't even have Planned Parenthood facilities that are inspected by the state of New York. Hmm. So we have some real problems here, but I think centers should remember that they are not mandated to respond to that survey, and frankly, I would encourage them not to do so. All right, and that'll have to be the last word this week, but hey, get your hot little hand on one of those voter guides in Pennsylvania uh, with the big vote coming up on Tuesday. Michael, how can folks do that? If they go to our website at pafamily.org. All right, learn more about that reporting law for pro-life centers. Jason, you're writing about this on Line. Where can folks find you? Albanyupdate.com. Gentlemen, thank you very much, Jason McGuire and Michael Gear. They are the Capital Connection crew. Comes your way every Friday during the noon report or online anytime at familylife.org. Just look for the news tab on the podcast page. Well, a very good afternoon to all. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Well, the weekend is ahead and it ships up okay. It is the weekend a reminder that you turn your clocks back one hour Saturday night as Eastern Standard Time returns. Also returning to the region, more seasonable and reasonable temperatures after the recent chill. For this afternoon, we'll have some sunshine and some clouds. It'll be milder than recent days with a gusty breeze and a high in the 50s. Clouds will gather tonight with a shower for some late, the low temps anywhere from the mid-30s to the mid-40s. Tomorrow and Sunday, a good deal of cloudiness with a shower or two, but rain pretty much of the time. The exception in central and eastern Pennsylvania, where it will be dry throughout the weekend with partly sunny skies. 
Weekend high temperatures ranging generally in the upper 40s to the upper 50s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. And finally, at noon today, we celebrate the sandwich. Open faced club sandwich. You've been eating that thing for a week. I think the mayonnaise is starting to turn. Two more feet and I can fit it in the fridge. Homer Simpson, eat your heart out. Today is your day. It's the day we celebrate that wonderful invention that is the sandwich. Here's Brie Tennis. We eat sandwiches because of John Montague. Back in the 18th century, the Earl didn't want to stop gambling to eat, so he put some meat between two pieces of bread and pressed on. And he was the Earl of Sandwich, which is why we call them sandwiches. The most eaten in America is a grilled cheese, and according to Merriam-Webster, a hot dog is indeed a sandwich. Good to know. Thank you, Bree. But there's more to know about the sandwich. Here's Family Life's Brian Query. Though the combination of bread filled with cheese and meats has been enjoyed for years, today's a day it gets a little extra celebration, as it's National Sandwich Day. The sandwich became an established meal in England by the Revolutionary War and was found in American cookbooks in the early 19th century. So today, enjoy a tasty sandwich and don't let the day go by without celebrating. That's no bologna. Brian Query, Family Life News. And uh, just so you know, bologna sandwiches are also very good, but only with mustard. Don't even think about putting mail on that. And that's our world for Friday, the 3rd of November. Have a wonderful weekend and uh, enjoy that extra hour of sleep. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.